Now it's time for the Disney View podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his grand circle tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, but understands Disney's place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. Come along and hear Dave's thoughts about Walt Disney World and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. Now, as you may have heard in the background, I'm actually outside. I'm enjoying one of our passive parks. Yes, we're still under a stay-at-home, general stay-at-home order in South Florida, but they open most of the passive parks to allow us a little time outside to enjoy ourselves. Now, to be fair, I've been walking almost every day, or riding a bike, or doing something fun, but it didn't allow me to go anywhere. It was just sort of a hapless, you know, meandering, just go off and do something. So now it's nice to actually stop somewhere and take it in and get a breath of fresh air and just relax for a little while. So it's kind of nice to be here in the park and just enjoying myself for a few minutes. So I thought I'd give an update on some of the things that are going on around the Walt Disney Company, some of the things that I've heard, maybe catch up on a few things that uh, I need to, wanted to give you an update on. So I'm gonna start off with my annual pass. Now, as you know, my annual pass used to expire early in June, and that worked well for me. Then Disney graciously extended me an extra month that didn't matter to me because the entire month of June is a blackout date for my pass, so it didn't really help me any. And that's fine, that was okay, my new back blackout date was, or my new expiration date was July 5th. Well, what they told us, everyone, was that whatever time the park is closed, they'll extend you out that amount of time. And I was kind of kidding, saying, hey, maybe my annual pass is going to expire in October. And it turns out for the amount of time the park has been closed, we're already into almost mid-September <laughs> by this time uh, for when my annual pass would expire. So I was pretty close, and it looks like the parks will be closed a while longer. So, And so who knows what that expiration date is going to be at this point. So they offered me an opportunity to recover any money I had left on there. If I'd paid it in full, they'll give me a, an amount that's equivalent to the number of days that were left on the pass. And I thought, hey, you know what? I think I'm going to take advantage of that. And it was the weirdest, most surreal moment when I decided to call. So I make the phone call and they tell you there's probably going to be heavy call volume. And they were right. For about 20 minutes, maybe 25 minutes, I was on hold waiting for someone to come on to take care of me. And while I'm on, they're playing Disney music and they're playing, you know, music from the parks and music from movies and different things. And they're all upbeat and happy and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, not upbeat and happy right at this moment because I'm about to cancel my pass and get some money back. Cast member comes on the phone, very nice person. He starts talking to me about things. We chat for, chit chat for a minute or two. And I tell him that, you know, I want to cancel. He goes, no problem. You know, as you can guess, there's probably, you know, tens of thousands of people that are doing the same. And of course there are. I go, no, I thought I was the only one. Uh, but there are actually a lot of people doing it. And then he reminds me that you're only getting refunded for the amount of time the park is closed, not for the length of your pass. So, for example, if your pass expired in November and the park reopened in June, you would get a refund for that period of time between March and June, and your pass, you'd lose the pass for the rest of the year until November because your pass is canceled at that point. So they warn you if your pass is going to expire later to maybe hold off and just take the, uh, uh, take the extended expiration. And I didn't realize that part. I hadn't thought about it until I heard him say that. 
Now, for me, that doesn't matter. Because as I said to him, it's in all likelihood the park's going to stay closed through July 5th. And if it isn't, I'm not sure I'm ready to go back at, you know, at that time or through September. So I don't know. And he agreed. He was like, yeah, I, I can see that. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to go back for a while either. And I get it. So anyway, I went ahead and canceled. And what they do is they send it over to another department to actually process the, uh, the, uh, the change so that you'll actually get refunded the difference. Now, based on the, what he said, my thought is they're not going to actually refund it until they announce when they're actually going to open, uh, what they're going to do there. So it'll probably be a while. He did say, you know, it would probably take a few days to get back to me. And my guess is it's going to take more than a few days. It might take as much as a few weeks before they announce what they're going to do and decide what, how they're going to manage it. Didn't really matter to me since my pass expired on July 5th. If I lose a little bit off the pass, I don't really care. I mean, if they do open before July 5th, fine, I lose, you know, some amount of time. And it's only going to be a few days, a few weeks. I got my value out of this pass anyway because I went several times. And then that got me to thinking about Disney reopening. And this is why I wanted to create this podcast. I was, I've been reading, listening, talking, thinking about this a lot. Disney is the bellwether. Disney is the focal point of everyone deciding how things are going to, and I use the word, uh, I use this word in air quotes, return to normal. Because before I get back to the Disney thing, I just wanted to share with you something. I don't think we're going to see what we saw before. I don't think the world is going to be, in quotes, normal uh, ever again. We've been talking about the prospect of a pandemic coming to the world, obviously pandemic, pan world, for... 20 odd years since the late 90s we've been kind of talking about the possibility of a pandemic happening and people have been planning for it and thinking about it and wondering what what's going to happen so it's no surprise that you know we, we're in this situation and uh, we might we had a pandemic this was known a known quantity to a large degree the earth takes back sometimes things happen this is you know this is why there's hurricanes tornadoes floods these other things the earth is funny it's a fickle beast and we have to live with it. So you have to be prepared for things, like we prepare for hurricanes, like we prepare for floods, for tornadoes, whatever. And we didn't do an adequate job of preparing, more or less as a world, for what might lay next. And that's unfortunate that we got to that point, we didn't. So will life ever, re ever return to what we think of as normal? I don't think it will. I think there's things that are going to happen, be different, change, whatever. As I've said in a previous podcast, every so often, there's something in the world that changes us and helps us to evolve in some way and become different than we were. And I think that's we're at that one of those critical points in time. It's hard to see from the inside, but I, you can kind of see it from the edges as I start to listen and pay attention a little more. You start to see it. Things are changing and they're not necessarily going back to what they were. They will be different. We will be doing different things. There will be a new normal for us. And that, that, that's not a bad thing. That's not really a bad thing. It's just that things will change. You know, the, as I've said before, the nature of work, the nature of school, all of these things will change to some degree. It's just a question of how much and how. So as we look at it, we realize this is, this is what the world is becoming and we're changing something. And as I look at Disney, it's no different. Uh, I don't think we ever go back to the Disney World, the Disneyland, the Disney parks that we knew. I don't think it ever goes back that way. I don't think sports ever goes back to what it was. It can still be entertainment and fun, but I just don't see how it could be anything like it was. And so you have this virus that we don't have an immunization for, we don't have antibodies for, our bodies can't handle this virus. So there's really nothing we can do at this point. So we'll have to continue to be prepared for it. And as we look to the future and things that could come, because there could be other things that come behind, behind this 
that could also affect us. I think we reach a new norm because we have to be more prepared for these things. So anyway, as it relates to Disney, the thing is Disney becomes this bellwether. Disney becomes this place where uh, everyone looks to and says, hey, what are you going to do? Several of the hotel businesses, some of the uh, other entertainment businesses, some uh, airlines have all said, when Disney decides what they're going to do, we'll know what we're going to do. Kind of weird, right? So the, the uh, federal government set up sort of this idea of we want to figure out what we're going to do and we're going to start to plan up phases for reopening and then push it off to the governors. The governor of Florida put together a task force to look at how do we reopen Florida. And then specifically, the uh, Orlando uh, Visitors Bureau, I think it's called, it's a, uh, it's a group that's run by the city of Orlando, uh, has actually uh, put together their own team of people to look at how is it going to happen that we can reopen the theme parks, the other things that we have in here that are our biggest tourist destinations in Florida, aside from the beaches, of course. How are we going to get those open? So the Orlando Bureau put together this group of people. It included uh, people from Disney, people from Universal, people from SeaWorld, other businesses, hotels, different things like that to get together and talk about how they were going to reopen. And they talked for a week or two and, and went through all the things, the scenarios and different things. The state had already laid out guidelines, then the, uh, the, the bureau had already laid out guidelines, and so they were just asking for input from these different organizations. Now, as I understand it, Disney never said anything in these meetings. They basically were non-committal. They gave some general thoughts but didn't say anything, and then publicly they never said anything at all, period, full stop. But yet, as soon as the committee got its recommendations together about phased reopenings, they took that and they released it to the public. Then that went up to the state, and that got released to the public. And suddenly, Disney's name was attached to all these reopening things. That Disney may have a plan for reopening with this, 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 whatever. Just to be clear, all of those things that came out came from Universal, not from Disney. Disney tacitly agreed to them by just saying, yeah, okay, we're going to more go along with this and we're playing the game. But Disney was noncommittal about what they planned to do. So... Take that for what it's worth, that Disney still hasn't said what they plan to do at this point. Yeah, here we are, we're uh, about eight weeks into the time that they've closed, give or take, and they still don't have a plan, which I totally understand. Now, analysts have come in and had different opinions about when they'll reopen and what they're going to do. There are some analysts who, are very, who have very strong opinions that this is going to be delayed and you won't see Disney parks reopen until next year sometime, until 2021. There are some that say, no, they'll start to reopen in June. And then there are some that are in between that say it'll be sort of a phased reopening kind of thing. And I'm, I consider myself in that middle group. I think Disney will announce a plan to start to reopen the resorts at some point in June or July, but with very much um, strict guidelines on how they'll let people interact. And I don't think they open the theme parks again until next year. I, I really don't. I mean, maybe I'm crazy, but I don't think they're going to reopen them. So as we look at it, it's kind of that, that moment in time when you think to yourself, wait, they might not open for a year? Hold on. And that got me to thinking about, when's the next time I'm going to be able to visit? And it's sort of a, on a personal side. Disney has always been a part of who I am. Opened when I was six years old. I went often. I've been there very often. I was a cast member for a period of time. I never really thought about it in a different light other than, hey, it's a fun place to go and just entertain myself in some way. And yet, here we are. And I have to stop and think about it and wonder, sort of out loud, am I ever going to get to visit again? The other thing that occurs to me is, when they do reopen, there's going to be high demand for the park. People are going to want to go there. So 
Uh, Disney has the dual nature of trying to recover any money that they lost while the park was closed and repaying any loans, and also trying to limit the number of people that would go in at the same time. And so the price point is absolutely going to go up. And there's going to be no more things that they're doing that require you to pay more for the same experience. So I don't think in the sense of maybe I will get to go again, but I don't think I'll be able to go again on my own terms and just kind of show up and go in and have fun, at least not for a long time. I think the, uh, the terms of it are changing. In fact, one of the things I heard was that people who, they started to open up the, uh, the hotel reservations again for June 1st uh, in, the, in the system. But, and you could start booking fast passes. Now, that's just, you know, right now that's just dreaming. But what they were telling people was, if you don't have an active hotel reservation, you can't book a fast pass. And they're sort of hinting at that they're going to only allow people who are staying on property to go in the parks for a period of time. You know, they want to limit the, uh, the number of people that go in. Totally cool, I get it. No, I understand. But it's just kind of weird when you look at it from the outside, you go, what is going on here? What's changing? Everything's changing. You know, this is just, the nature of it has just changed. So it kind of hit me, it just, you know, hit me like a ugh, punch to the gut, basically. What the heck is going on? You know, what, when, I don't think it's ever going to be the same park it was. And it's hard to take it that way because I'm more of a, histor- I look at it more of a historical context. It's fun the way it is, but historically, it, you know, it has a special meaning to me. And I try to share that with you and talk about some of the history of things. So I just find that kind of interesting as I thought about that. Now, on a related note, Disney had their earnings call. And here's Bob Chapek to tell us more about the plans. While it's too early to predict when we'll be able to begin resuming all of our operations, we are evaluating a number of different scenarios to ensure a cautious, sensible, and deliberate approach to the eventual reopening of our parks. As you know, our parks have been closed around the world, Shanghai and Hong Kong since January, Tokyo since February, and our U.S. and Paris parks since mid-March. The approach we take may include implementation of guest capacity and density control measures, as well as health and prevention procedures that comply with state and federal guidelines. We are seeing encouraging signs of a gradual return to some semblance of normalcy in China. And in light of the lifting of certain restrictions, in recent weeks and the successful reopening of our park-adjacent retail and food and beverage area, Disney Town, we and our government partners, Shanghai Shendi Group, plan to open Shanghai Disneyland on May 11th. We will take a phased approach with limits on attendance using an advanced reservation and entry system, controlled guest density using social distancing, and strict government-required health and prevention procedures. These include the use of masks, temperature screenings, and other contact tracing and early detection systems. And CFO Christine McCarthy also chimed in and had something to say. As we look ahead, while we've announced plans to reopen Shanghai Disney Resort, there is limited visibility into the timing of reopening and the conditions under which we can reopen the rest of our parks and resorts, cruise ships, and Disney stores. However, we believe the strength of our brands and our unwavering commitment to the guest experience are valuable assets that will serve us and our guests well 
once we reopen. So if I take away from that a little something, what I would think is if they're going to do some sort of phased reopening in Shanghai starting in a week or so, that would mean that with the U.S. parks and uh, France being a, about two months behind in terms of when they closed, they're probably about two months away at a minimum before they could even consider reopening. And I think it's going to really come down to what Shanghai does and then at some point in between what uh, Tokyo does. And then I think, if I were going to guess, they'll probably open Paris first before they talk about the U.S. parks. So you now you're looking a little bit further down the road to maybe August at the earliest when they would start to talk about this. And I think with this whole idea of sort of phased reopening and having reservations required and all those things, it's going to be a complicated thing. It's not going to be as simple as just going to the parks and just taking it in. You're going to have to make a reservation, show up at the right time, and I think they're going to limit park capacity and it's going to be very selective who gets in based on, I'm assuming DVC and other things will figure in there uh, to make a decision about who, who would be let in at that point. So I think there's a lot more to come, but now we're looking several months down the road before we would even talk about this. So, you know, you're looking at the potential for mid to late summer before they even start talking about Florida parks or California parks, any of the U.S. parks for that matter. So there you go. That's where we stand today. Kind of an interesting update, I guess. Now, there's one other little nugget of information that came out and has been kind of streaming out into the media, and that is that Disney was in negotiations, apparently or reportedly, with uh, the NBA to actually host some of the NBA games that are still remaining on the schedule or perhaps the playoffs or some feature there at the Wide World of Sports at Disney World. Uh, it's an interesting prospect. The Wide World of Sports has some venues, including the Cheer Competition Building, that could be repurposed and they could put some floors down to be able to play some NBA games there. Now, they would be totally without audiences, but they would allow the NBA to continue its season or some portion of it to finish it out and have a playoff. And Disney would have the benefit of being able to broadcast it on ESPN and having this sort of uh, relationship going. And it would bring the cost down to Disney and would get some advertising dollars going and would bring live sports back. So it's an intriguing prospect. I don't know. There's a lot of logistical hurdles to overcome and a lot of other things to do. But it's an interesting prospect and perhaps it comes to fruition. But I thought it was kind of interesting because it... it it kind of covers all of Disney's uh, everything in that case. Well, maybe not the media empire, but certainly sports and the parks and so forth because they'd be promoting the parks and their future reopening if they were to have this going on there. So just an interesting prospect that came up. Disney's never commented on it specifically. In fact, during the, uh, the uh, call today, there was no mention of it specifically, but there was a question about it, and they sort of danced around it a lot uh, in the answer. So kind of an interesting thing. So seems like it's at least in discussion. If there's one thing that Disney does with respect to their theme parks, it's that I hope that they open up the theme parks with a special promotion or perhaps even close to free for healthcare workers, people who've been on the front lines fighting against this disease, this virus, to allow them to come to the parks and get a little enjoyment out of it, whether it's actually to the parks or whether it's just to enjoy the resort and have a little vacation. I hope that they come up with a way to say thank you. Uh, that's the one thing that I would really hope that Disney does. And on a little bit of a lighter note today for you, I wanted to end on something that was a little bit kind of amusing in a way, if you look at it the right way. So if you know anything about the history of Discovery Island, and if you don't know the history of it, I have a, a my most recent Lost and Found in Walt Disney World uh, is all about Discovery Island. So you can go watch that. I'll put a link to it in my show notes page. You can go check it out. 
Discovery Island was a zoological park. It's this little island that's just off of the, um, the coast of where Fort Wilderness is, and you have to get to it by boat. It's only accessible by boat. So one afternoon, or one evening, one of the uh, Disney security guards looked over to the island and saw some movement over there and thought, that's really weird. So they went out to investigate, and they found a person on the island. And there was this guy from Alabama who had made his way down and was uh, camping out uh, and I use the word camping out kind of loosely because he was actually sleeping in one of the buildings, the old buildings. He wasn't really camping per se, but he was in one of the buildings and he was staying there. And uh, when the uh, security approached him, he ran and took off. And there was a lot of a uh, lot of things that happened here that I think, you know, some of it is a little. I'm a little unclear about the actual details because I think the media got it a little bit wrong because. They, the police were called, they actually arrested the man for trespassing, and he said he didn't know he was on private property, and you know, in spite of the signs that were there, and this and that and the other thing, and uh, he was just camping there for a week, he was trying to self-quarantine somewhere, whatever. But the thing is, there are signs everywhere that say no trespassing, this, is, this area is closed, this, that, the other thing, and the only way to get there by, is by boat, and the boat he used to get there was a Disney watercraft. He actually stole, or borrowed, used a boat, to actually get over there so and then escaped on it too so something wasn't quite right there the story doesn't hold water as far as him saying oh yeah i didn't know but it's kind of funny it's one of those quirky things that happens sometimes you hear about somebody who did something and you go wait how did he manage to do that what what happened there exactly so man was camping on uh on the property there that's known as uh discovery island and uh, why wouldn't he have just gone over to the you know where the campground was or something instead Kind of funny. So he was obviously trying to get away from somebody uh, or stay away, stay out of the public eye and stay away from the police and the security and whatever. Just kind of quirky and funny. Uh, one of those stories that you hear about once in a while and you go, what, what happened there exactly? <laughs> it's kind of weird. <laughs> there was one other story I wanted to talk about that I thought was pretty amusing. And it was actually the story about Buzzy, the audio animatronic figure that's over in the uh, Wonders of Life Pavilion, or was, in the Cranium Command exhibit. And I, I don't think I've ever done a show about Cranium Command. I'll have to do one one day to talk about the, the entirety of that, uh, that show. But there was this um, audio animatronic. It's about five feet tall. It was on a little uh, stand, and it would move around. He was working inside the young boy's brain, the teenage boy's brain. And he was talking to you and interacting. And it was kind of a cute little story and whatever. Well, one day, sometime at the end of 2018, early 2019, someone noticed that the Buzzy was missing, gone, not there. And there was a lot of speculation of whether he was stolen or something happened to him or what happened. So nobody really knew. You know, but it's not uncommon for some of these things to be removed and no one to be told. In fact, there was the famous story about the Abraham Lincoln uh, audio animatronic that went missing on its return from the uh, World's Fair in New York and actually turned up in Bob Gurr's home. He knew exactly where it was and most of the other web designers did too. He was just keeping it there. It was sort of a safekeeping kind of thing and eventually when Disney asked for it back, he gave it back. You know, it was one of those things that, that happens and I assume this is a similar kind of thing. And in fact, when someone went in and showed a picture of where he was removed, it clearly looked like it had been cut out in a way that it was, he was removed intentionally by someone like an Imagineer or a designer. So anyway, the, um, so the Buzzy went missing and there was a lot of discussion about that. And, you know, it kind of merits a, yeah, right, whatever that happens. But then there was another story that happened. There was this cast member who had been accused of stealing some uh, things, props and things, especially from the Haunted Mansion and selling them on eBay. And it was like, okay, you know, that's unusual, but it happens. 
And so the story kind of got around a little bit that this guy, this guy was doing this. And, you know, he, they knew who he was and they were kind of watching it, what he was doing. Then he tried to sell the jacket and the hat that Buzzy was wearing on eBay. And someone, an NBA star, actually saw it. And he's a collector of Disney memorabilia. And he saw it and he bought it from him. And <laughs> this, this guy sells him the, the hat and the jacket. And that's when the, the Disney police descended or the police descended and Disney got involved. Um, and they actually uh, made an arrest on this guy for having sold uh, Disney property. And then they recovered it from the NBA uh, person, the NBA uh, player, and uh, returned it to Disney. They arrested the guy, and the, the guy, you know, he goes, hey, crime doesn't pay. You know, I, I was doing something I know I shouldn't have been doing. It always catches up with you, so bear that in mind. And he, um, he uh, paid restitution, he did his community service, and he was, uh, he figured out how to uh, how to work around it, you know, get, get off of, of the, uh, the major charges and so forth. Um, and then there were some other, a couple other people that were arrested in connection to it. There were a couple of other uh, women who were arrested um, who were assisting him in some way by actually th- pilfering things from some other places around Disney parks uh, and using that and selling that on eBay through his, his channel, so uh, his account. So there was a, a connection there. So they were all arrested and all charged with crimes and whatever, for trespassing and stealing property and so on and so on. But the funny part about this was, he still claims to this day that he never stole Buzzy. And I have to agree with him. And the reason he gives is, look at that thing, it was five feet, five feet tall, it probably weighs 350 pounds. How was I going to get something that big, cut it out, take it out, and cart it out of here without anybody ever seeing me? And he's absolutely right. I don't see any way that would have been possible. And of course, the police searched his home, searched the other properties that he owned and didn't find it. So uh, it seems unlikely. And I'm sure that Disney, or at least someone at Disney knows where it is, but it's just one of those kind of funny things you go. So here was a little, you know, little side note to a story that got a lot of attention, but no real press and, yet, and didn't seem real. And yet here was a piece to it that was real. The, the guy was stealing a couple of things and just kind of funny, you know, these quirky things that happen that's kind of, kind of weird. And again, kids, crime doesn't pay. Don't do this. But it was kind of, kind of weird how he did that and uh, how the story got, you know, kind of morphed into something else instead of just being about uh, the theft of the hat and the, the jacket. Because the buzzy went missing, it all got kind of weird. So just kind of strange. One of those funny things that happens sometimes you hear about, and I just thought it was worth sharing. And that is my podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. And um, hopefully we'll be getting back to something that we know that's closer to normal uh, at some point in the not too distant future. And if you're listening to this, I hope you're staying safe and please exercise good judgment. Use a mask when you go out. Do smart things. This pandemic is far from over. You know, some governors, including the one in Florida, are trying to make you think, oh, we beat this thing. We're good. No, no, no. It doesn't work like that. It's not that simple. The world is not that simple. You have to still protect yourself and your loved ones, especially, especially our older folks or the people that are more vulnerable. So do everything you can to help them. Think about your parents, your grandparents, and uh, try and consider how to help them by staying safe and, you know, wearing a mask and doing the right things. And don't be one of those people who's just like, rah, 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 USA, we're we're great. It's not that simple. Sorry. (laughs) Anyway, that is my podcast for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. And remember, if we can dream it, we can certainly do it. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View podcast. 
We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then, gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes, I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there, please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading, one for finding hidden Mickeys, and an app for finding and tracking pressed pennies around the Walt Disney World Resort. And you never know just what Dave is working on next. If you have questions, feel free to drop Dave an email at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Original music you're hearing in this podcast is Oslo Doom by Gilberto Gil. Of course, this is a fan podcast and in no way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company. 